Welcome, welcome, welcome to uh, session three of our Christmas sermon series called Messiah's Revealing. And uh, I was told that I need to also welcome those that are here and those who are watching online. Maybe you don't know, there will be over a thousand people who will watch our services online today live. So we're able to reach uh, more than this address. Um, and may the word of God go out. And may the truth of God be proclaimed, and may it produce a large harvest for our Lord. Today we're going to continue our series called Messiah's Revealing. The first session was the waiting. The book of Genesis says the, the woman's seed would crush the serpent's head. A curse had come upon all mankind, and then the waiting. Who would lift the curse? Who would be the one who would crush the serpent's head? Session two was the light, and the light would come into the world. In the beginning, there was darkness over the surface of the deep. In John, it says, light has now come. Session three today will be the message. When I was a child, waiting for Christmas was the hardest thing. So I associate waiting with Christmas. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, it seemed like December took forever to get to Christmas. Also, when I was a child, the dark, I was afraid of the dark. I didn't like the dark. And it seemed to me like December also is the darkest time of the year for us. But when I was a child, I linked these things to spiritual and physical. When I was a child, Spiritually and physically, I did not understand the message. Not really. I was raised in the church, but if you ask me, did I really understand the message of Christmas? No, not really. I probably thought I did to some degree, but not really. Most people today, even adults, don't really understand the message of Christmas. And here's why. Most people, including us in this room, think of Christmas in a past tense, an historical event, something that only has an influence to something back then there, rather than looking at the relevance of right here now and what's about to take place next. That's the message of Christmas. The waiting, the light, and now the message Messiah's Revealing, Session 3. So I'll ask you a question. What was the message of God that came with Christmas after all the waiting and after the light? What was the message? Do you understand, do you, excuse me, do you know and understand the significance of the message of God? And I'm going to say the word a lot. The message. Do you know and do you understand the message that God revealed to mankind? He has given us a message, a word from himself. Before you can believe it, this message, you have to hear it and you have to know it. You cannot believe the message until you hear the message and know the message. Now, over the last two sessions, I've made something clear. I'm convinced there's only three reasons for unbelievers. One is ignorance, and it doesn't mean people are stupid. It means they don't know. They don't know. So you can be an unbeliever because you don't know the message of God. 
Number two, there's been false teachers that have taken the message of God and distorted it, and then you don't know and you're not a believer because somebody didn't tell you the truth. You, you don't really know the message because somebody distorted it. But there's a third option. You don't know the message because you refuse to accept it. You've been exposed to it. You've heard it, but you will not receive it yourself. So I'll ask you, do you know the message? Before you can believe it, you have to hear it and you have to know it. And today you will hear the message. Based on the word of God today in this room, you will hear the message. We're going to start with Gabriel. He is the messenger angel of God. If Gabriel is the messenger angel of God, then surely we must begin with Gabriel's message. And I ask you a question. Do you think it'd be a good idea to listen to an angel if he gave you a message from God? Do you think it would be a good idea to reject the angel's message from God? Do you know the when and the where of Gabriel's first recorded message? You might be surprised. It comes 500 years, more than 500 years before the birth of Christ. Gabriel's first recorded message is not to Mary, the Virgin Mary in Nazareth. Gabriel's first recorded message from God comes more than 500 years before that first Christmas. Gabriel appears in the time of Daniel when the nation of Israel and Judah had been completely destroyed and scattered over the world. Daniel and the few remaining Jews, when Gabriel comes the first time with a message, Daniel and the few remaining Jews are living in Babylon, which would be modern-day Iraq. They're living under a king named Nebuchadnezzar. Some of you right now are saying, this is the message of Christmas. Yes, it is. And until you understand and can put this together, you will never fully understand the message. The Daniel story begins when God gives King Nebuchadnezzar a vision, a dream. And I want to be specific. God, so more than 500 years before the birth of Christ, God gives a Gentile, a non-Jewish king, a vision, a dream about the future Gentile kingdoms of man, non-Jewish kingdoms of man. He's giving Nebuchadnezzar a prophetic look into the future. And that dream that he's going to put in Nebuchadnezzar's head ends with the message. It ends with the message that God wants to communicate to this generation like he did that generation. Do you know the message? There's something you should know about Daniel. Before I read this to you, he is one of three holy men. And here's where I'm going. Today I'm going to give you the message of God delivered through Daniel and through Gabriel. Now, Gabriel would be, it would be wise to listen to both. It would be unwise to reject the message from Daniel or Gabriel. 
But it's pretty easy to understand the Gabriel part. I mean, after all, who wants to tell an angel, I'm not listening to you? Nobody. But what about Daniel? Here's what makes Daniel interesting. In the book of Ezekiel, God calls out three holy men by name. In the book of Ezekiel, he calls out three names. And he elevates these three names above other holy men. So, in other words, these men have a credibility given by God that's not normal. It's unusual. It's higher than normal. Let me read it to you. Ezekiel 14, 20. As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, even if Noah, there's a holy man, Daniel, and Job, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were there, they wouldn't be able to save their own sons and daughters. They alone would be saved by their righteousness. He does this twice in Ezekiel. He calls out three names, three names so holy that their righteousness in the judgment of God would be their salvation, but their righteousness would only be their righteousness. It wouldn't cover their family. But they were so righteous that if judgment was given to everybody else, they would be saved because of their own righteousness. So Daniel is one of those. We must listen to Daniel's message. The angel Gabriel, we must listen to his message. So let's begin with God's holy man, Daniel. And the angel Gabriel will come just a little bit later, right after that. Do you know the message of God? Before you can believe it, you must hear it and you must know it before you can believe it. And today, you will know it. Nebuchadnezzar receives a dream from God. He knows the dream is supernatural. He knows the dream is from God. So he calls his astrologers and his counselors. He calls every wise man in his administration to reveal its meaning. But King Nebuchadnezzar is also wise and crafty. He doesn't want these astrologers and wise men to just come and say something that they can't prove about future events that nobody knows. So he does this. He makes his wise men come, and first he says, I want you to tell me what I dreamed last night. How would you like that job assignment? I want you to tell me what I dreamed last night. Go ahead. If you're so wise, then you should be able to do that. The king's astrologers get one thing right in their response. Well, kind of. Here it is. Daniel 2.10. Nebuchadnezzar's had this vision. The astrologers replied to the king, no one on earth can tell the king his dream. And no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. The king's demand is impossible. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's probably not a good thing to tell the king. The king's demand is impossible. No one except the gods can tell you your dream. Now that's the part they probably got right. No one except the gods can tell you your dream, and they do not live here among people. The king was furious when he heard this, and he ordered that all the wise men in Babylon be executed. I suppose they did not do impeachments back in those days. 
It was an unreasonable request from an unreasonable king. But God is setting the whole thing up. Daniel and his three Jewish friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are in that group. Do you understand this? So when this king issues this decree, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are going to be executed along with the other wise men because they are wise men in training. They're in that group. It is in this scene. It is in this scene, more than 500 years before the birth of Christ, that God reveals King Nebuchadnezzar's dream to Daniel. Messiah revealed. Messiah's revealing is taking place in the time of Daniel. The message of God about Messiah's revealing is going to be given to a vision in a Gentile king, but interpreted by a Jewish wise man in Babylon, Iraq. Do you know the message? Before I read it, do you know the message? Before you can believe it, you must hear it and know it. You cannot believe this message until you hear this message and know this message. And today you're going to know this message. Here we go. Daniel 2, 26. Would you listen to this holy man, Daniel? The king said to Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, is this true, Daniel? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? Daniel replied, there are no wise men. Enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. But there is a God in heaven. I love this guy. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now, I will tell you your dream and the visions you saw as you lay on your bed. While your majesty was sleeping... You dreamed about coming events. It's all future tense, right? You dreamed about coming events. He who reveals secrets has shown you, Nebuchadnezzar, what is going to happen. And it is not because I'm wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream, but because God wants you, Nebuchadnezzar, to understand your dream. He wants you to understand what was in your heart. In your vision, here he comes. Daniel's going to tell him what he dreamed. In your vision, your majesty, you saw standing before you a huge, shining statue of a man. It was a frightening sight. The head of the statue was made of fine gold. Its chest and arms were silver. Its belly and thigh were bronze. Its legs uh, were iron and its feet were a combination of iron and baked clay. As you watched, here comes the message. As you watched this great statue, head of gold, chest and arms of silver, bronze, iron and clay. As you watched this horrifying statue, a rock was cut from the mountain but not by humans, not by human hands. It struck, this rock struck the feet of iron and clay, smashing them to bits. The whole statue was crushed 
into small pieces of iron, clay, bronze, silver, and gold. And then the wind blew them away without a trace, like chaff on a threshing floor. But the rock that knocked the statue down became a great mountain and covered the whole earth. That was his dream. That was his dream. And I'm going to ask you, do you know the message? Before you can believe the message, you got to hear and know the message. Do you know the message? Some of you do. Many of you do not. Do you see it here? 500 years before the birth of Christ, Messiah is revealing. Daniel then does something. He then interprets the message in great detail. Let's see if this helps you understand the message of Christmas. Let's see if this helps you understand Messiah's revealing. God has revealed the future Gentile kingdoms of man that will end with the coming of Christ the King. This is really important before I read it to you. God through Daniel is about to reveal all the future kingdoms, Gentile kingdoms of man that will end, how? With the coming of a great king, a rock cut out of a mountain, not by human hands. King Nebuchadnezzar must have been shocked. Daniel had explained his dream in great detail, and now he will give its exact meaning. Verse 36. That was the dream. Now we, notice he uses the word we, me and God. We will tell the king what it means. Your majesty, you are the greatest of kings. The God of heaven has given you sovereignty, power, strength, and honor. He has made you the ruler over all the inhabited world and has put even the wild animals and birds under your control. You, Nebuchadnezzar, are the head of gold in your dream. I wonder if Nebuchadnezzar at that point is going, I like this Daniel guy. I'm the head of gold. But after your kingdom comes to an end, another kingdom inferior to yours will rise to take your place. Now I'm going to push pause. If you read on in the book of Daniel, you'll know that God already in advance knows who that is. It'll be the Medo-Persian Empire that will follow the Babylonian Empire. And Daniel is announcing it to Nebuchadnezzar before it ever happens. The next world power. The next world power. The next world power. God is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and will give them to whoever he chooses, Daniel says. And he is announcing in advance the next kingdom, and it'll be the Medo-Persian. Inferior to yours will rise to take your place. And after that kingdom, the Medo-Persian kingdom has fallen, yet a third kingdom, and I'll tell you who that's going to be. It's going to be the kingdom of Greece, the Greeks, led by Alexander the Great. You know world history, I hope. And they would be the kingdom that would replace the Medo-Persians who replaced the Babylonians. And all of this is being announced before any of those people are born. God is sovereign over the kingdoms of men. The Greeks, Greeks are represented by bronze, will rise to rule the, war, the world. Verse 40, following the Greeks, following that kingdom, there will be a fourth one. And I'll give you a hint. 
it'll be the Romans. As strong as iron, that kingdom will smash and crush all previous empires, just as iron smashes and crushes everything it strikes. Now, understand something. What kingdom was in place when Jesus was born in Bethlehem? The Romans. Okay? The feet and toes you saw in the vision were a combination of iron and baked clay, showing that this kingdom will be divided. <clears throat> Like iron mixed with clay, it will have some of the strength of iron, but while some parts of it will be as strong as iron, other parts will be as weak as clay. This mixture of iron and clay also shows that these kingdoms will try to strengthen themselves by forming alliances with each other through intermarriage, but they will not hold together. These Gentile kingdoms eventually will not hold together just as iron and clay do not mix. And here comes the message. Do you know the message? You're about to. During the reign of those Gentile kings, 500 years before Jesus is born in Bethlehem, during the reign of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered it will crush all these kingdoms, what? The Babylonians, the Medo-Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, all Gentile kingdoms. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness. And it will stand, this new kingdom will stand forever. That is the meaning of the rock cut out of a mountain, though not by human hands that crushed to pieces the statue of iron and bronze and clay and silver and gold. The great God was showing the king what will, what will, not maybe, not might, what will happen in the future. The dream is true. And its meaning is, what's that last word? Certain. And you thought the book of Daniel was about the lion's den and the fiery furnace. The message. Do you know the message? It was given to Daniel more than 500 years before that first Christmas. During the reign of these Gentile kings, during the reign of these Gentile kingdoms, God is going to come and set up an eternal kingdom. While the Gentiles are in charge, God is going to come and take charge. Now, I don't have time to go into all the details, but if you read the scriptures, <clears throat> there's going to be a revised Roman Empire under the authority and power of the Antichrist that will rise to world power during the tribulation. During the tribulation. I believe that happens after the rapture of the church. But understand something. During the reign of these Gentile kings, a king is coming. And he will set up an eternal kingdom. This message is about the future of all mankind. And this message is true. This message is certain. And if you reject this message written by the prophet Daniel... You reject the message from the Holy One sent by God to interpret the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. Do you believe this stuff? 
Do you believe this message is true? Do you believe this message is certain? Do you know the message? Some of you are wondering, well, where's Gabriel? You said Gabriel was in this. Later, I just described to you, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, Daniel interprets it. Well, go a little bit down, and now Daniel has a dream. Daniel has a vision, and Gabriel is going to come to interpret it. Here comes Gabriel. Would you believe Daniel? When he gave you the message, the message of God through Daniel, would you believe it? That one day there's a rock cut out of a mountain, not by human hands, is going to come. He's going to hit the feet of iron and clay, and he's going to crush. And all the kingdoms of man, all of them are going to be blown away into ancient history, and a new king and a new kingdom is going to begin. Do you know the message? You got to hear and believe the message before you'll ever know the message. Daniel has a dream. The angel Gabriel will be the one to interpret it. Daniel's vision is a confirmation. Here's what's interesting. Daniel's later vision, the one he has himself, is a confirmation and more details of the Gentile kingdoms that he has earlier revealed to Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, here comes Gabriel. Daniel 8, 15. As I, Daniel, was trying to understand the meaning of this vision, the one that he had himself, someone who looked like a man stood in front of me, and I heard a human voice calling out from the Uli River, Gabriel, tell this man the meaning of his vision. As Gabriel approached the place where I was standing, I became so terrified that I fell with my face to the ground. Son of man, he said, you must understand the events you have seen in your vision relate to the end of time. While he was speaking, I fainted. And I lay there with my face to the ground. But Gabriel roused me with a touch and helped me to my feet. The events of the end. Do you know this message? You can't believe the message until you hear it and know it. And today you will know this message. Do you really know the message of Christmas? Do you really know the message of Christmas? How many of you can handle this message today? Because the reason I say that is because when Daniel got this message, he fainted. This message was so overwhelming. The vision of Gabriel himself was so overwhelming. The message that he had experienced was so overwhelming. This holy man fainted. Can you handle this message? Verse 19. Then he, Gabriel, said to me, Daniel, I am here to tell you what will happen later in the time of wrath. Do you know the message? I'm here to tell you what's going to happen later. In the future, in the time of wrath. Why is he using the word time of wrath? What you have seen pertains to the very end of time. The two-horned ram represents the kings of Media and Persia. That would have been the chest of silver. The shaggy male goat represents the king of Greece. It's interesting to me that Daniel 8, 19, Alexander the Great would have not even been born. And already Daniel's announcing the kingdom of Greece. The shaggy male goat represents the king of Greece. 
And the large horn between his eyes represents the first king of the Greek empire. The four prominent horns that replace the one large horn show that the Greek empire will break into four kingdoms, but none as great as the first. At the end of their rule, when their sin is at its height, a fierce king. At the end of their rule, when sin is at its height, a fierce king. A fierce king. A master of intrigue will rise to power. He will become very strong, but not by his own power. This will be supernatural. He will cause a shocking amount of destruction and succeed in everything he does. He will destroy powerful leaders and he will devastate the holy people. And I believe that's a direct reference to the Jews that will live on the earth during the tribulation. He will devastate the holy people. He will be a master of deception. Who is he? When will he come? He will be a master of deception. He will become arrogant. He will destroy many without warning. He will even take on the prince of princes in battle. But he will be broken. Though not by human power. This vision about the 2300 evenings and mornings is true. But none of these things will happen for a long time, Daniel. None of these things. All these things are going to happen, but none of these things will happen for a long time. So keep the vision a secret. Then I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for several days. Afterward, I got up and performed my duties for the king, but I was greatly troubled by the vision and could not understand it. Can you grasp the message of the end of days today? Can you grasp this message? It was specifically given by God through Gabriel of the end of days. It made Daniel sick. Sick for days. So overwhelming is the vision of the future of the kingdoms of men. It's been a long time since Daniel. Anybody want to argue that one? These things won't happen for a long time. It's been a long time since Daniel. Some 2,500 years. So keep the vision a secret. Seal it up. So let's fast forward. All of that's to lay the foundation. Let's fast forward to the next message of Gabriel. The next message of God through Gabriel in the Holy Scriptures. Let's move some 500 years into the future and let's go into the time of the Roman Empire and let's go to Jerusalem and let's go to the temple and let's go to a priest standing inside the temple 500 years after Daniel because Gabriel's coming. Do you know the message? You're about to. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, Zechariah is a priest. It's his turn to offer the priestly sacrifices in the Jerusalem temple. The Roman Empire is in power at this time. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son. And you are to name him 
John. He will be known as John the Baptist to us. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Who's, who's telling the story? Who's delivering the message? This is Gabriel, the angel of God. For he will be great in the eyes. This baby that's not even born, he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or any other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. And here he comes, here he comes. And he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. And Zechariah said to the angel, and Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? Now, let me just pause in the story for a moment. If you ever get an angel from an angelic visit at your house, do not use this line. That's all I can tell you right now. Do not look at him and say, how can I be sure this will happen? Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. And the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. Did you doubt in the room? It's one thing to look at Zechariah and say, why did you say that? But it's another thing in this room today. There are people sitting in this room today, and you refuse the message of this Gabriel. You just, maybe you don't know it yet. You see, there's three reasons to be an unbeliever in Jesus. One is ignorance. You don't even have a clue what the message is. Well, we're going to fix that today. Number two, there was a false teacher that gave you a false message. We're going to fix that today. And number three is you refuse to believe the message of God delivered through angels, delivered through Daniel. It's bad counsel when God sends his angel to deliver a message of salvation. The message about the end of all things. You should listen. You should listen. I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you. Notice the word. He calls it good news. It was he, God, the Father, who sent me to tell you, Zechariah, good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent. You will be unable to speak until the child, until John the Baptist is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. You know what that means? This is unstoppable. God has ordained it. Gabriel called this message good news. And it's not a good idea to argue with him. Gabriel is announcing the birth of John the Baptist who will prepare the way for Messiah's revealing Jesus Christ. Do you know the message? Do you see it yet? You know the details of Gabriel's next appearance, don't you? Most people aren't sure about this one, but you surely know the details of Gabriel's next appearance. Gabriel comes back six months later, and this time he comes to the Virgin Mary, and this time he comes to Nazareth. Gabriel will deliver the final details. Listen, he will deliver the final details 
of the message to Mary. It began with Daniel. To Nebuchadnezzar, to Daniel, to Zechariah, to Mary. The message. Do you know the message? The final message in great detail. Verse 26, Luke chapter 1. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that's Zechariah's wife. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. There he comes. A village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. It's not a maybe, it's going to happen. Mary, you will conceive and you will give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. You will, he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. This is the message. I'm reading to you the message. He will be great and he'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He's going to be a king. He's going to be on the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Do you see it? I wonder how many of you do. The message, five prophetic announcements from Gabriel in this visit. And I wonder how many people in the church know that inside that message, there are five prophetic announcements. I've read to you the message that came to Nebuchadnezzar. I've read to you the message that came to Daniel. I've read to you the message that came to Zechariah in the Jerusalem temple. I've read to you the message that came to the Virgin Mary. Do you know the message? Five things. Let's go to number one. What's the first thing he said? You will conceive through the Holy Spirit and give birth to a son. And you will name him Jesus. Can we agree today that we can check this prophetic announcement off the list? Now listen. That was prophetic because it was nine months in advance that the angel told Mary. It was prophetic. It was in advance, right? Can we check it off? Finished. God's word is true. The message is true. Look at number two. He will be great and called the son of the most high God. Can we check this one off? It's been 2,000 years. Can we say he's great? I'm going to say he's great. Is he called the son of the most high? Yes, 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 yes. I'm going to check this one off. Done. Two of the five. Look at number three. God will give Jesus the throne of his ancestor David. Listen, church. Waiting. You read anything in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, when Jesus was in the flesh, he sat on David's throne? And where is David's throne? Nowhere in the Bible is David's throne in heaven. David's throne is in Jerusalem. God will give Jesus the throne of his ancestor David. Do you believe angels when they give you a message from God? Would you believe the angelic message from God? That Jesus is going to sit on David's throne in Jerusalem. Waiting. Let's push pause on number three. Number four. 
He will reign over Israel. How many terms? Forever. Over who? Israel. Some translations say Jacob. Israel. Forever. Waiting. Number five. His kingdom will never end. It's eternal. Once it starts, it never ends. Do you know this is the message? Do do you understand the message? Five prophetic announcements. The unstoppable message of God has been delivered to mankind. It began with Daniel and now has been completed with the Virgin Mary. The message of God... Put all of this together and you have the message of God. Messiah's revealing Christmas and beyond. Christmas and eternity. The first two messages to Mary are completed. No one's going to argue those first two. Check them off the list. The next three are coming. It is unstoppable. And they align. Here's Here's the part that you cannot question today. They align perfectly with King Nebuchadnezzar's dream and Daniel's vision. Do you know the message? One of the most aggravating points about my childhood was the only thing. Anybody, I grew up in the church. Many of you in this room grew up in the church. You know, my, one of my greatest frustrations The only thing anybody ever told me about the book of Daniel when I grew up was a lion's den and a fiery furnace. Why didn't somebody tell me this? Why why, why aren't churches talking about the message? You know what? Here's the second part. When I grew up in the church, nobody ever told me there were five prophetic announcements inside Gabriel's vision uh, introduction to Mary. Nobody ever broke down that three of the Three of the five are still in waiting. It would change your worldview. Because I know what's coming. Do you know the message? You can't know the message until you hear it and believe it. And today you will know the message. If all you know of the message is the first two of the five Gabriel gave to Mary, you ain't seen nothing yet. Most church people only think about the first two. But the message of God is so much bigger than the first two. God, listen church, I want you to understand something very simple. God is going to give Jesus the throne of David in Jerusalem. It is unstoppable. Let that sink in. There will be a generation of people who will see when God gives Jesus the throne of David in Jerusalem. I wonder how many of you actually believe that, because I surely do. I'm not going to look at Gabriel and say, how can I be sure this will happen? Jesus is going to reign over the house of Israel forever. His kingdom, once it begins, will never end. Now, let me put it together. Jesus is the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands in the book of Daniel. 
Jesus is the rock cut out of the mountain, not by human hands, but by God the Father. Jesus is going to come. Listen, most of you would never imagine this as a Christmas sermon. Jesus is the rock cut out of a mountain that's going to come, and he's going to crush the feet of iron and clay. And all the Gentile kingdoms, all of the Gentile kingdoms are going to fall. They're all going to be crushed. They're going to be blown away into ancient history. And an eternal kingdom is going to begin. Will you reject this message given by angels? An eternal kingdom is coming, and an eternal king is bringing it with him. So let's put it all together, and I'm going to wrap it up. Here we go. I'm going to put it all together. There will be a series of Gentile kingdoms that will reign with authority on the earth. The Lord has established every one of them in advance. In the time of those reigning Gentile kingdoms, a rock cut out of a mountain, not by human hands, will come from the heavens. It's going to crush the reigning kingdoms of men. It's called war. His name, this rock, this rock's name is Jesus. And he is very great, and he's called the Son of the Most High. And he's going to take his seat on David's throne in Jerusalem, and he's going to reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. This dream is true, and its meaning is certain. And if you reject the message of God today, which I have read to you specifically out of the Word of God today, you reject the message of God delivered by angels. Not by me, it's not my message. This is the message of Christmas. Do you know the message? Two last things. The reason I say it's the message of Christmas is this. Two last things. First, I want to read the message that the angel gave those shepherds in the dark field that night we call Christmas. And as I read it, I want you to notice something. The message begins with a single angel in the dark revealing a message to the shepherds. It doesn't say angels. It begins with a single message. It doesn't say it's Gabriel, so I don't know if it's Gabriel or not. But in, shortly that, thereafter, uh, a multitude of heavenly hosts join the singular angel, and they've all got a singular message. Here it comes. Luke 2, 8, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel, again, is singular right now. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you, and here comes the storyline. I got some good news. Anybody remember that happening before? When Gabriel came to Zechariah, he says, I got good news. This is good news. So God's coming with some really good news. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, here comes the next group. Suddenly a, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, 2,000 years ago, listen church, 2,000 years ago in a town of David, a savior king was born. A savior king is born. A king. He is Christ the Lord. The angel said, don't be afraid of this good news. I'm telling you today, do not be afraid of this good news. If you reject this good news, all you got left is bad news. 
Don't be afraid of this good news. This news should bring great joy to all the people of the earth. That's what the angel said. It should bring joy to every inhabitant of planet earth, but it won't. Do you know what? But it won't. Do you know what? This is the core of the message. The signs were and have been fulfilled by his birth, by his first coming. And then something happens. After that, one angel makes the first speech. Then suddenly a great number of heavenly beings join the angel and they begin praising God with a single statement. Here here it comes, with a single statement. Uh, This is the message, a single statement. A, a, A multitude of heavenly hosts. A single statement. What is the single statement? It is the message. Verse 14. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth... Peace to man on whom his favor rests. Glory to God. The message always begins there. Glory to God. Always starts there. Whatever the message is, glory to God first. But number two, everybody listen, listen to me. Peace has come to the earth. For the first time in human history, you have the chance to make peace with God. You can make peace with God. Now, here comes the big part. How? Peace with God by making His Son your King. Peace with God by making His Son your King. That's it. That's the message. You can make peace with God by making his son, the Messiah, your king. I told you there were two last things. The angels and the shepherds, and now here comes the last one. Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. You know that he said what he shouldn't have said. How can I be sure this will happen? He said it to the Gabriel, to angel Gabriel, and, and hush my mouth is what he got. He didn't get to talk anymore for nine months. So nine months later, the baby's born. They name him John, and suddenly, unhush my mouth. He can talk. Now listen, after nine months of not being able to talk, I want to hear what he's got to say. Because the Bible says when his mouth does open, he is full of the Holy Spirit, and he prophesies. And you know what it means when you're full of the Holy Spirit and you prophesy? It's a message from God. I want to hear what he's going to say. Here we go. Luke 1, Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Here it comes. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. That'd be one of those be Daniel, right? Just like Daniel said. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors and remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And you, my little son, John the Baptist, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way of the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation 
you, John, will be a revelation of telling the people how to find salvation through the forgiveness of sins because of God's tender mercy. The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us into what? Here's the message. And to guide us into what? The path of peace. Today, the message reveals a path to peace. The angels have delivered a message. There is a way, a path to peace with God. Those last two verses of Zechariah's prophecy stir my soul. We can make peace with God. How? By making this Messiah, his son, our king. Do you doubt this? It is the message delivered by angels. He is going to be king. It is unstoppable. He is the rock cut out of a mountain, not by human hands. He is going to come. And he is going to crush the kingdoms of men that refused. Listen. He's coming to make war. He's coming to crush the feet of iron and clay. All the Gentile kingdoms that have refused the message. That's who he's coming to make war with. So when I ask you today, do you know the message? I'm asking you, do you know the king? Because he's the one that delivered the message. Revelation says he's going to come with the sword in which he will strike down the nations. Daniel says he's going to come in the time of wrath. And some of you sitting in this room today, you still refuse to acknowledge that the time of wrath is coming to the earth. There will be more people. Listen, you know what I hear when when I go out and I talk to people, believers and unbelievers alike? You know what? They have this idea that the God of the New Testament is very different than the God of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there's a lot of wrath and judgment and killing and stuff. And they have this idea that the God of the New Testament is all mercy and love and grace. And he's like a big teddy bear sitting in heaven. Well, I'm going to tell you the truth. Listen to me right now. Revelation reveals there will be more people killed in the end than in all the Old Testament combined. Do you understand? So this idea that everybody goes to heaven, you made that up. Because it's not in here. There will be more people. Revelation reveals more people will be killed, killed, executed at his coming than all the Old Testament combined. The message of God is you and I can make peace with him. There's a message. We can make peace with God by making his son, the Messiah, my king. And Jesus says, you can't serve two masters. You're going to serve one. So let me ask you, who's your master? What's driving your life? Who are you following? What are you doing? You pretend like nothing's coming? You know, the love of God says he doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants us to turn to his king and find, to our king, his son, and find salvation. But I'm going to tell you today, listen carefully, his kingdom is coming. It's unstoppable. But you must make him your king now before you meet him. Are you hearing me? 
You must make him your king now before you meet him. He will be everyone's king later. Every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord means master. But by then it's too late. You must make him your king now before you meet him. This is the message. You can make peace with God. Do you know the message? Do you believe the message? Well, let's answer the question. Is Jesus your king? It's yes or no. Is he your master? Is he your Lord? But I have to say, what happens if you refuse this king, this master, this Lord, this savior, this message? What happens? How many churches will tell you the truth today? What happens? God has sent his only begotten son to be our king. Have you bowed your life to him, yes or no? I remember when Pilate had Jesus stand in front of the crowd. You know what Pilate said? To the crowd, to the world. Here is your king. Here is your king. What did they say? Crucify him. You know what's coming out of America today? Here is your king. We don't want him. We don't want him. He interferes with my lifestyle. He interferes with my plans. Oh, he's going to be king regardless of your plans. I'm going to read to you what you have never had read to you at Christmas. And I'm not going to apologize because I love you enough to tell you the truth. Here's what you will never hear in a Christmas sermon. In Luke 19, 27. Jesus says these words. And for all these enemies of mine who didn't want me to be their king. And all these enemies of mine who didn't want me to be their king. Bring them in and execute them right here in front of me. I bet you never heard that at Christmas before. If you refuse him as king. You will be his enemy. You can make peace with God by making his son your king. And I got to tell you, it's the only way to make peace. Many of you in this room, I'll wrap it up, have prayed the Lord's Prayer your entire life and you didn't know what you were praying. It's interesting to me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed to be your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you understand what you're praying? Our Father who art in heaven. Well, that's glory to God. That's the first thing in everything, right? But when we say, may your kingdom come, you know what we're really saying? Would you finish those last three things that Gabriel told Mary? Do you understand what you're asking him? Would you do those last three things you told Mary? Well, I didn't know that was it. Well, that's it. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth. I'm going to tell you, things are never going to be down here like they are up there until he comes down here. And he's coming down here. Are you ready for that? How? What would it look like? There's a rock cut out of a mountain, but not by human hands. And he's going to come and he's going to crush the feet of iron and clay. And all the kingdoms of men are going to be blown into ancient history. And a new kingdom is going to begin and it's going to grow and it's going to cover the whole earth. And everything's going to change. Life expectancies are going to change. 
for those who are alive at the time. The animal kingdom's going to be at peace with each other. Satan's going to be in prison. The false prophet and the antichrist, they're going to be in hell. And Jesus is going to be in Jerusalem. And I will look at the audience today and I said, I really wonder today how many people believe this stuff. This is the message. Many people see Christmas as a past tense event, an historical event, and indeed it is historical. The message, you know what it is? If I could summarize it, here it is. There is a great king coming. That's the message. Not just a king has come. The idea of Christmas in past tense is there was a king who came. Yeah, there was a king who came. Right now he sits at the right hand of the Father, but he's coming. Oh, he's coming. Christmas is not the end. It is the beginning of the end for some, but it is the beginning of the beginning for those who belong to this king. Messiah is revealing the waiting, the light, the message next week. Please don't miss next week. It's called the hope. It's the grand finale of the message story. It's the good news. I'll ask Chad to come out for the invitation. You know, here's what's interesting to me. When Jesus came the first time with all the prophecy and all the announcements and all the prophets, guess what? They stood right in front of him and they couldn't see him. They couldn't recognize him. They didn't know he was who he says he was. He told them, but they just couldn't get it. I don't know. Will it be like that this time? How many people? Well, the message is right square in front of your face. Here it is. Here it is. Will you get it? Do you get it? You can make peace with God by making his son your king. That's it. You bow your life to this king. You submit. You bow. Now, you're going to bow one day. Now you got the free will to do it and make peace with the Father. You know, many missed it then. They were asleep. Jesus says, if I come at midnight, will you be awake? It's the idea that if I come suddenly, are you ready? Well, when he came the first time, they missed it. And I wonder right now, if he comes now, are you, are, are you ready? I have a responsibility. I have a single responsibility to this church to prepare the church for the coming of the king. That's my job. This is the message of Christmas. It's not past tense. Yeah, there's past tense. But what's coming is bigger than anything that's been. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that your breath, your wind, your life would blow into this room. You would open our eyes, our ears, our hearts so that we would know the message. Because to know the message is to know you to know you as eternal life and peace with God the Father in Jesus' name. So I've been told in the past I do not make invitations clear. So I'm going to make an invitation really clear today. Brian Perry, our minister, is going to come stand down here. And here's, here's the thing. There are people sitting in the room today, maybe you're convicted and you just don't know what you need to do. I want you to come talk to Brian. Just come talk. If... if if you say, I know I need to do something, but I don't know what that something is. Okay, that's what we're here for. We're go, we're, we'll help you. I'll stay as long, Brian will stay as long as we need to. But there's other people in the room that quite frankly right now, you already know what you need to do. And today's the day you need to do it. And we can take care of that too. So we're going to stand up here. We're standing up here so that you 
will know what you need to do to make his son your king. The invitation is now open. Let's stand.